everyone. Welcome to the H&H Hour. My name is Heather Taves, and this is my co-host, Heidi Bolt. Hey, Heather. How are you? Good. You know, I just realized that when one of us introduces the other one, often we'll say our own last name, but then not the other H's last name. So it's just as funny how we do that. And there was that time you said that I was Heidi Bennett. I know. And I haven't been Heidi Bennett for in almost 12, 13, 14, 14 years. years but that's time. okay. Once a Bennett, always a Bennett. That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> well, if you are new to the H&H Hour, we want to welcome you. We want to say thank you for checking us out. Thank you for clicking on that link. Mm-hmm. We're so glad that you did. And if you are one of our faithful guests and faithful listeners, we love you. We thank you for listening. Um, we are so excited that you do every single week. And um, yeah, we've got such a fun guest on today, Heidi. I am so excited about this one. Me too. He is, so it's this handsome, awesome guy. Yep. He is sitting here with us right now. And this is, this is Isaac Bennett. Hi, Isaac. Welcome to the H&H Hour. How's it going? I'm happy to be here. Good. We're happy to have you. So Isaac is our little brother. One of our little brothers. Younger brother. He's not so little anymore. He'll always be little to me (laughs) in the sense that I'm his big sister. That's true. But Isaac, I, we love you so, so, so much. So much so that I named my second born son after you. Uh, It was one of my life's greatest honors. Truly it was. And he is the apple of my eye to say the least. Oh, well, he loves you. He was sad that I wasn't bringing him to the podcast with Isaac. Oh, I was sad, honestly. I, that's half the reason I'm here. I was hoping I could see him. But. <laughs> Wilder Isaac. Wilder Isaac. Well, Isaac, Isaac, Isaac Bennett, Isaac Carl Bennett is number five. Yes. In the Bennett sibling order. Yeah. When we were little, um, I don't know if you remember this, Isaac. I bet you do, but you were also the baby. So uh, for a while, you were the baby. We would sound off. You oh, remember yeah. that? Definitely. Mom, yeah. we'd get in the van, the big van, and mom would say, sound off. And we'd, one, two, three. It always kind of scared me a little bit, I think, is because, you know, if, if we have to be reduced to a number, then it's like, what happens if four isn't there? I know. You know, if Matthew just decides he's had enough, finally, he just <laughs> know. treks off into the wilderness somewhere. <laughs> then what do we do? Like, really? I think as a busy mom now, though, I get it. Because yeah. half the time you can't get the right name out anyway. Right. So if you're like, is Wilder in the car? And you really mean Crosley. Like, it's, yeah. I totally understand yeah. as now. A, as a busy, tired mom, it made total sense. Now it does, yeah. 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 Oh, that's so good. Well, Isaac, we are so happy to have you here. And we want, we know a lot about you, obviously, but all of our listeners don't necessarily know much about you. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what your life is like right now? Yeah, absolutely. I'm married to Blake Bennett my wife of nearly four years. Um, She is much funnier, much more beloved, and uh, just an amazing person. She is. She is phenomenal. We adore her. Yes, we do. Doesn't take any amount of crap from anyone whatsoever, (laughs) including me, which is good. Which I also love about her. Yes, she reminds me of you in that that manner. (laughs) Which sometimes sometimes you need that. Oh, definitely. So it it has helped me to stop giving her any. So it's... (laughs) It's uh, it's a good thing. But no, she's phenomenal and, and makes me laugh every day, which is saying something because as you guys know, I can be a little bit too serious and critical sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I work at Excel Foundry and Machine as well as Chris, Heather's husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there for nine years, which is very wow, hard to believe. that's crazy. Yep. So I'm a director of sales there along with Chris. So we get to sit with each other every day and argue and complain and, and moan. And at the end of the day, uh, really have a great time doing it. So it's it's a huge blessing and we love that. We love each other. Um, beyond that, I um, I love baseball, as everyone mm-hmm. knows. Uh, I write about baseball. I podcast about baseball. 
And um, I also invest in real estate on the side. So someday I'll be a, a full-time investor. That's um, that's my probably one of my biggest life's goals is to invest full-time. So that's where we're headed, but we're a little bit away from that. That's so cool. Well, and you're incredibly wise with finances. You also have a money blog. Is that correct? I do. Yes. It's, is, that, uh, is that still in the works? It, oh, definitely. Yeah, okay. it's active. It's called moneyike.com. And uh, right now it's just a, a blog where I, I give sort of financial and some life advice as well, which sure. um, they're the same thing, actually, at the yeah. end of the day. And uh, it all comes down to discipline. Yeah. Um, and eventually we'll add a podcast to that and some potentially some videos and things like that. But that's it, a little bit down the road as well. I love it. Well, your listeners would love videos because you're so handsome and cute. <laughs> so all of the women are going to say amen when you see his darling photo well, on and, our Instagram. And I just week. have to, I don't know, did I send you that picture, Isaac, or not from our wedding the other day? Uh, no. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, my, long story short, my daughter found our little sister Holly's bridesmaid's dress for oh, my no. wedding. And okay. it fits her oh, now. No. So yeah, that was kind of like a what moment for me. Sure. But then that led to her wanting to see pictures, and so I pulled out pictures, mm. and oh my goodness, you were a baby at my three? wedding. Was he three? No, 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 Isaac, no I was, Isaac. Oh, I'm I sorry, Stephen was, was three, but okay. yeah, I was almost thirteen. I, okay, okay, yes. but you still had that like little boy look. And oh, yeah. yeah, we were fixing your tie, and oh, it was so cute. Oh my it was goodness, so cute. But but it's crazy because I showed Chris, who is you know one of your best friends, and you work with him every day, and he was like, "What in the world? <laughs> <laughs> How does this happen?" See, he is still little. It feels like it. Oh, I was just telling Chris, too. I said, Chris, you look exactly the... That was 17 years ago, and you look exactly the same. It's his baby like, face. It is. I, I need to move to Canada and just, like, go backwards in time. So I feel like I'm getting old. And here's Chris. You know, he's, like, 23 at the time, and he's 40 almost now. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, you are the exact same person. He really does. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> so funny. Isaac, one thing that we love to ask all of our guests, and so I want to ask you this... Um, is what's something about your life that feels ordinary? I think something that feels ordinary to my life is my thoughts. Um, you know, I think there's an, an assumption that that people maybe who do a lot of different things or are, have a lot of different interests or hobbies, passions, um, think differently. And in some ways I do, but I have a tremendous amount of ordinary thoughts as well and thoughts that are very selfish and thoughts that are um, just very pedestrian and mm-hmm. I think the biggest battle for me as a man and as just uh, someone who struggles with depression severely mm-hmm. um, is controlling my thought life. Mm-hmm. And um, it all starts there between your between your ears. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, eventually I, I think that it's true that uh, out of the heart speaks the mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, is that's your brain, too. Mm-hmm. You know, so really just getting your thought life correct and not letting negative and um gossip and and things of that nature take hold in your brain is is probably something that feels most ordinary to me is because I struggle with it tremendously as I think everyone does sure yeah, yeah. I can relate to that so much because there are so many times when I I can actually talk myself out of not verbal words but in my mind yeah out of a feeling or into a feeling and it is it your thoughts are so powerful mm-hmm. what you let sit on you yeah. and what you choose to say, nope, n- not going to, not going to hold on to that I think, one. We, I mean, we know this, we were raised in a Bible based family. So we have a lot of scripture spoken over us mm-hmm. and shared with us, but 
Proverbs talks so much about our words. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not just the words that actually physically come out of us. It's the words that we let sit. Internally. In absolutely. Yep. Breakpoint. And yeah. it says that, that the, our words, our tongue, our words have the power of death and life. Yeah. And I think that is so true. Mm. I mean, I just know, Isaac, you know, we've, you're one of the people I can confide in on mm. days and weeks that I'm having a, a rough go with it. And I, I think that it is so true because just even the other day I was having a really rough day and you sent me a text that was filled with life mm. and it, it breathed hope mm-hmm. into what I was going through in that moment. And I was like, wow, words are so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's a great point of what you said about internally as well, because if your internal dialogue with yourself is very positive and motivating, then naturally that's going to be what your external dialogue is as well. And that's something that I have to check myself with regularly, especially at work, mm-hmm. um, is making sure that one, I'm uh, grateful. Mm-hmm. You know, C.S. Lewis said that um, in the face of gratitude, fear flees. Mm-hmm. And for me, if you can start every day with gratitude, then um, first of all, fear flees. And yeah. those are very unnatural bed partners until you really think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two, that if gratitude is in your mind about the things that you have around you, that's what's going to come out to your coworkers or your kids or your yeah. your spouse, siblings, whatever it may be. Yeah. Yes, right. And man, when you have a, a, a heart filled with gratitude and you speak that into other people, um, you can really uplift and encourage people. And that's when you can start opening seeds of, of crazy change. So. Yes. Oh, that's good. That's that really good. So we could good. just keep going down that path for a while. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so we've talked about ordinary. What do you think is extraordinary about yourself? This is a tough question to answer, but I, I think at the end of the day, it always has to come back to one thing with me, and that's my work ethic. Um, when we were kids, um, I don't think kids are naturally ingrained with a great work ethic. Mm-hmm. I think that their natural disposition for virtually every mm-hmm. kid is to want to trend towards things that are fun. Yeah. And work is not considered fun. Um, but our mother, our dear mother, as you guys know, um, productive was the word that she used every day, all day, yeah. so much so that we loathed it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, as I sit here 25 years later, um, it is so ingrained in my spirit to be productive that I think that um, my work ethic is something that is extraordinary and probably doesn't get noticed by, by people a lot because they don't see it. Right. But it is definitely what separates um the things that I do on a daily basis compared to a lot of people. Hmm. Isaac, I think that as your older sister, as I've watched you walk down your career path, um, you've done a lot of things that are not traditional. Hmm. You know, you've kind of really followed your own path and you've carved out your own way. Um, but I would say that I have watched you be very driven and just so diligent hmm. in what God's put in front of you in, in different settings and different seasons of your life. Um, you know, I think back to, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were in a job, you were selling cars and you were there for a long time. You were so diligent and so faithful with really hard hours, just a lot of demand on you, but your clients loved you. And I remember running into one of your clients one day who I didn't know was your client and it came up and he just went on and on about how blessed he was by <laughs> you. And I think you were like 19 or 20 at the time. Yeah. I started just after my 18th birthday, actually. I yeah. skipped college. For so it. you were this <laughs> young man, but, and he had no idea you were so young. He, he was floored to know that you were so young. And I just remember thinking how proud I was of you, that you were just putting all of your diligence and effort into what you were doing as a career, but that his life was impacted because of your grace and the words mm-hmm. you spoke over him and just 
how he, he his what he said was he's just not your typical car salesman. Mm. And I thought that was like, wow, that's cool that he just noticed your character in that setting. Well, thanks for telling that story. I think that, you know, obviously salesmen in general have a stigma uh, attached to them, which is often unfair. And yeah, I know a lot of great sure. people, even specifically in the car business. Um, yeah. But uh, I think the biggest example out of that story is work. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a lot of things that can be overcome if your first response to a tough situation is work, whether it's you're not getting along with your wife or your husband or your kids won't behave or your house is a mess or your finances are a wreck or you don't have a job. The first response is go out and work. Yeah. And um, in that case, that's what I decided to do by the time I was about 16 is I was going to work. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just briefly back to the depression bit, the only thing that takes me out of it is work. Mm-hmm. This is the only thing that in prayer, mm-hmm. but you know, you can pray while you work. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, you, can. you know, it, um, I think that God knew in my life that I needed to have that ingrained in me, which was, you're going to get up every day and you're going to work mm-hmm. at whatever you may be doing, even if it's relationships. So, yeah. um, I do appreciate you telling that story. Well, I know a couple of few months ago, I think it might've actually began, um, this conversation that you and I had maybe happened back towards the end of last year where you start talking about discipline a lot Mm -hmm. and what you felt like um, the importance of that. And can you talk a little bit about that and just, could you mention it with money? Yeah. Um, But I think it flows into other areas of our life too. It flows into our health, you know, our, our, what time we get up in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that uh, actually this is something that I took from Nathaniel more than anything is that, you know, for 15 years, he ignored a calling on his life to write a book. And eventually what it took for him to get that done was to say, I have to find an hour every day to do this. Yeah. And the only time he could find that was before dawn. Yeah. You know, so he got himself up with three kids every single day and um, wrote for an hour yeah. every day. And, and now he has a published book. Now he has a published book and there's a lot <laughs> of other things going on. Right. And, and, and that that speaks to both obedience, but also to discipline. Yes. And, uh, those two things are the same thing. Yeah. And uh, for me, what it looked like was being more intentional with my time, which uh, a lot of that was less time on Twitter, less mm-hmm. time on social media, yeah. less time watching sports, mm-hmm. uh, less time doing a lot of the things that my flesh wanted to do and more time getting up, working out, which is something that only you can do. Right. And um, starting my day better, drinking more water, just being more intentional and disciplined in the ordinary things. These things are all ordinary, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but doing them measurably better than most people are willing. Sure. Um, you know, I heard an analogy a, a while back about Mike Trout. I'm going to go into baseball for a minute. <laughs> Mike Trout's the best baseball player in the world, and he's going to be one of the best of all time. And um, some scouts were asked, if you had to start over and pick a player without seeing any stats, who would you pick? None of them picked Mike Trout. Hmm. because he's not the most athletic. He doesn't hit the ball the hardest. He's not the best defender. But eventually what they boiled it down to is is that Mike Trout does every single facet of the game a little bit better than everyone else. Hmm. And I think from a discipline standpoint, that's what we have to look at is, is going through your day at work, at home with your kids, as you work out, are you working a little bit harder? Are you doing it a little bit better than everybody else? Because those gains will compound over time. Mm-hmm. That's really good. So you're a fellow writer and fellow podcaster. Yes, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that side of your life? I sure can, yeah. Um, I've actually been a writer for a long time, even when I profess to hate writing. Mm-hmm. The uh, the actual truth to that is I hated penmanship. 
I hated to write. <laughs> ah. I love um, the idea of creating art through writing, which is to me what all writing is, no matter what level you do right. it at. So um, I've been a songwriter for a long time. Uh, two years ago, I was in Indonesia and um, I had 10 minutes worth of internet there, which is shocking. I was in the airport <laughs> and uh, I happened to see a call go out for a need for writers for a, a company called Baseball Prospectus. So I quickly pulled up my resume, sent it to him, and then had no other writing samples. Uh, the man's name was Sahadav Sharma, who ended up being my boss. Uh, so I sent him my resume and a business writing sample that I had, which was just an email to a colleague. Funny. <laughs> and uh, through Sahadav's grace and, and giving me a chance, he hired me eventually. Um, so I've been writing for that site for two years. Uh, it's uh, Wrigleyville at Baseball Prospectus, which has led to a podcast called BP Wrigleycast. Uh, with a, a few guys that are now really good friends of mine and several other media opportunities as well. So it's been fun. Well, and you've been on, so you have been on radio shows yeah, talking about baseball. Yep. And tell us about that a little bit because it's been so cool to hear you talking about something you're so passionate about. Sure. Yeah. Um, last July, I was actually at Matt and Jenna's house and uh, uh, a guy named Matt Abatacola, who was the executive producer of the Boars and Bernstein show on 670 The Score, uh, which is a nationally syndicated radio show to, I think, 39 states in Mexico and Canada. Uh, he reached out to me after reading a piece of mine on BP Wrigleyville, and uh, he wanted me to come on. And, you know, I went on once and I ended up going on many, many times um, and have a relationship with Matt as well, still as some of the other producers. So um, the writing has led me to... Uh, several media and radio appearances as well on CLTV in Chicago and some other places. Uh, ultimately, though, I think the platform is for something else mm -hmm. and um, still working through that and things of that nature. But um, it's, it's definitely about more than baseball. So we'll uh, see where that goes. But it get, Heather and I can never remember the name of that show. So we lovingly call it the Bernstein Bear Show. Yeah. And it's actually, you know, it's <laughs> unfortunately Terry Boar's retired. So it's a new show now. It's called Bernstein oh, and Golf. No. But, well, I uh, still like the Berenstein. The Berenstein Bear Show. Yeah, that's that's good too. <laughs> so it's a good thing that God gave you a radio voice and a TV face because <laughs> yes, you're using true. both. That's true. So it was a great year for baseball in yeah. your world last year. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, your Chicago Cubs. Your Chicago Cubs. Our Chicago yeah, Cubs. It was amazing. Oh, so so you've, been, you've been a Chicago Cubs fan for your whole life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was there. Through the pain. I was there through the pain. I was there when they started 0-14 in 97. It was, I've been there. Yeah, it's uh, it's been 30 years of... Um, a constancy. It's a friend. You know, it's been a friend, yeah. but it's been a very painful friend. Yeah. yeah. You know, baseball's yeah. a fickle lover for but sure. But one you've never walked away from. Oh, never walked away from that friend. There's there's a, there's a lot of good analogies in it, actually. Yeah, but there is. Uh, That was so it's fun. It's taught you endurance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. It, it has. Oh, that was really fun. Well, hopefully we get to, um, maybe we'll get a repeat this year. That'd maybe so. From that, your lips. Yeah. That would be really fun. Come on, Cubbies. You can do it. <laughs> My son, uh, Crosley, wants to have a Cub birthday party this year. Yes. And he has requested to go to his first Cubs game. Oh, my. So that's going to be happening this July. Perfect. Sign me up. So, okay. We'll let you know. Done. That's awesome. Day. The blood is thick. That blue blood. Well, it is because his daddy's not a huge baseball fan, <laughs> if at all. And so it's coming straight from his uncles. Ah, I perfect. love it. It's I love perfect. It. Yeah. yeah. So good. So, Mike, you really... um have seen some dreams come true through just this being able to write and be able to podcast and being able to invest on, on many different areas of your life. You've had, you've had some of these dreams begin to be evident. Um, 
And I, I would say, you know, a lot of that is because of your faithfulness and your hard work ethic. But what would you say to someone who has a dream who just feels like, hey, it's like it's never going to happen or I'm, I'm discouraged because I don't see any fruit? I tell them they're right. It's not going to happen the way you think it's going to. Um, I think that uh, sort of earthly, we have these ideas of what dreams are and what success looks like. Yeah. And the reality is, is if we achieved all of those things, we probably would lack gratitude for it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the lesson is that you will definitely never achieve anything. You will never, uh, reach any of your dreams or goals if you don't put one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you must fail. You yeah. must fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when I started out with the baseball writing, my goal was to be in a front office for a major league team. And I, I made a lot of overtures and made a lot of attempts to make that happen. And it never did. And I know now that that's probably not my path. Um, so the reality was, is where I started with this is I failed. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you know, it's, it's hard looking in from the outside to see that because there's a lot of success that was in it. But I, I failed in what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. But all of these other things have happened and all these platforms have been gained through that failure. Yeah. And now I can look back and realize your dream wasn't necessarily the path you were supposed to mm-hmm. achieve. It was mm-hmm. just what you were supposed to go down and then it goes different directions. That's so. Good. You're probably going to fail in your dream, but you'll probably land closer to where you're supposed to be than where you are today. That's really good. Well, I think it's so important, Isaac, because you, so that the outcome wasn't necessarily what you thought it would be at the beginning, but you didn't shut it down. You persisted and you've continued down those paths that looked different than maybe what you had hoped for. Yeah. And I think that's so important for people to know that as I think, especially for Christ followers, because if we do believe that the steps of the Bible says the steps of the righteous are directed by the Lord, that sometimes he allows those paths to look different than maybe what we hoped for. But then, like you said, you, you look back and you go, wow, I, I'm so grateful that I'm here mm-hmm. because it has brought me so much hope and so much joy. Um, I know I can relate to that in my own life in many different aspects, but I think for you too, that is so evident in that you persisted and you didn't give up when the dream looked different than your hope. Yeah. And there's a lot of other examples of that in my life as well. And I think what I've come to realize is that we can plan all we want, but the reality is, is if we're following God's will and his voice in our life, Mm -hmm. that um, it's going to take us to different places, sometimes greater places, sometimes lesser places. Um, But if you look at, I mean, when I started you know, right out of high school, working full-time, more than full-time, working 75 hours, 70, 75 hours a week. My whole thought was, is in five years, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm not going to work a day job. Mm-hmm. Here I am 12 years later and I'm still working a day job. And um, I've really had to struggle with contentment in that, yeah. even in the last year. Sure. And um, very recently, I looked at my day job and thought, oh my word, I like this. This is perfect for me. I can do a lot of the things during the day I need to do. I have flexibility. I see the whole world. This is a great job. Mm. So what I thought that I wanted wasn't necessarily what was best for me right now. Yeah. You know, so there are several other examples I could go into, but it's it's true. One foot in front of the other and you'll land somewhere that you didn't think you'd be. Oh, that's really good. So speaking of your day job, yeah. You um you get to travel internationally a lot. And um what are some of your favorite places that you've been or what are some of the stories that you could you come home with some awesome stories how has that impacted your life it's impacted it tremendously um some of my favorite places uh from a geographical standpoint norway i think norway is incredibly beautiful everybody Mm -hmm. should go there there's a a major piece there in a lot of the places 
rivers and valleys and fjords and mountains. Mm. And it's just, it's amazing. Um, but really the people leave an impact on me when I go places and, uh, Russia, Moscow, St. Petersburg is one of the places that Mm. the people left an indelible impact, Mm. uh, because they're not at all what you think they would be. Um, I love Turkey. Um, you know, I love South America for the food and the people are great. Um, Americans don't know how to live, mm-hmm. myself included. Mm-hmm. We are way too uptight. We mm-hmm. care way too much about possessions and things. Yeah. And um, ultimately, I, I, I don't want to live here full time just because people in other places have it right. Yeah. Family, music and food and joy and all these yeah. things. And yeah. um, it's something that the more I've traveled, the more I've realized. That's so great. On, I would say on a consistent, almost daily, at least weekly basis, I share with my littles, hey, guys always people over things yeah and over politics too yes yeah that's that's a big one on either side when our Mm -hmm. eyes are on people they're not on self right and when our eyes are on self we're so driven by our materialism and by the things that our flesh wants that sometimes is so negative for us yeah and um so yeah i love that i love that your your impact is the people really yeah it is and it's it's really made the world uh small for me you know Last week I was in Paris and there was an ISIS attack mm-hmm. 20 minutes from where I was sitting. Yeah. And it, it's very real mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's made the world small. Pretty much anywhere in the world now when there's an attack or an earthquake or a flood, I'm texting somebody and saying, hey, is everything cool? You know, yeah, you guys yeah. all right? Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. So it's made the world small. Um, I've seen a lot of different cultures, a lot of different religions and, uh, you know, people are the same mm-hmm. everywhere. Uh, some of them just have it figured out a little bit better. I love that you're getting this perspective here on earth mm. of different people because mm. we yeah. are the same. Yeah. We are wired so much the same. We all, our hearts beat the same. We all breathe the same oxygen, but we live out our lives in different ways. Yeah. But I love that you're getting to experience people in their different cultures and climates and their traditions and experiences. Cause I think that that is such a great picture of what heaven's going to be like for us. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. It's um, you know, it's convicting actually to say that because it 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 you know makes you realize that you need to you need to witness more, yeah. <laughs> um, or I need to. I'm is what I'm saying, and it's uh, it's very true. There's yeah. a, a lot of impact that can be had in a lot of different cultures, and it can be hard when you get out of you know the West. Yeah. Uh, it can be hard to walk into a Muslim Islamic country and start yeah. proclaiming the name of Jesus. Yeah. Um, but when you do, crazy things happen. Yeah, that's you know, right. so and people that name. People everywhere, it you know across the whole world are searching. Definitely, they're searching for this gift that we have. So, um, you know, I, I I hear this a lot from people here that they're nervous to travel internationally. You know, because of what's going on in our world right now. And it, it's it's so funny to me because if you've taken any time to study world history at all, you you'll realize that this isn't the first time the world has ever <laughs> no. had chaos. Yeah. And we actually live in a really great time in history where, you know, we have so much freedom and there are so many great things happening and, um, we really are so protected in so many ways, but do you ever get nervous traveling internationally? No, I've never been nervous. Uh, and it's not because I haven't had some close calls. I've had people scream at me in many different languages for the color of my skin, um, for obviously their association with Christianity, my association with Christianity. Um, I've had, uh, you know, some scares on planes and things like that, but very, very firmly, I would die for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I would die for that perspective 
and for living my life in a sense that is not in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather live that life and die for it at some point than yeah. I would live a, a life where I was in a, a Illinois or United States yeah. bubble and didn't do anything. Yes. So, yeah. so what? So to speak into that because there is a great spirit of fear yeah. that so many people function under. What would you say is your primary source of being able to not live in that spirit of fear to step out of it? Probably experience. I mean, I think everybody's innately uh, fearful of things they aren't comfortable with, but you've got to get very comfortable being uncomfortable. And it sounds so cliche, but when you start actually living that out, when you start talking to people about your faith, when you start investing, when you start um, disciplining your kids in a productive way, all of these things that people are fearful of, that's when you start getting comfortable doing things that other people wouldn't do. Sure. The more you live in that place, the less fearful you'll be. And I I just, you know, I have a bit of ADD and my my life has to be lived uncomfortably. Otherwise, I stagnate really quick. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, too, you mentioned it earlier when when it becomes about people. And you realize that people are the same everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And they're so, it's so exciting because I, I don't get to travel nearly as much as you do, but I've gotten to a little bit internationally. And then you guys have had people come here to Illinois, international guests, and just to go out to dinner with them and yeah. sit down and talk to them and hear their perspective on life. Yeah. It makes me feel alive. Yeah. And it also just gives me such a great perspective on life and on how people live differently, but it doesn't mean it's wrong mm-hmm. if it's different than us. And I would encourage everyone, I think everyone needs to, at some point in their life, take a trip outside of their own bubble. Yeah. yeah. And, and one of our goals for our kids here in the next year or two, we've been waiting for our youngest daughter, Juliet, to get a little bit older so she remembers it, but is to take them internationally. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to take them to Europe and have them experience some of that. But then we also want to take them to someplace like South Africa, yeah. you know, where they get to actually see um, that the world is not all a 3,000 square foot house yeah. and three square meals a day. Right. And, and I think that that is something that we all need. We all need that well, perspective. It's uh, the same word was coming out of my mouth. It's perspective. And I can tell you that nobody has perspective until you've been to Chennai, India. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're, if you're living in the United States and you haven't been there, you think you're poor, you're not, mm-hmm. you think you're hungry, you're not, mm-hmm. you think you're oppressed, you're not, you think your politics matter, they don't. Until you've seen a grown man going to the bathroom in the street over and over and over and over, you know, all the way up and down the street, you have no idea what Hmm. people are going through in this world. And um, it was a huge culture shock for me. I'd been to 45 countries and I went to India and I was culture shocked, you know, so um, and India is just one example. Africa is another good one. But um, it does open up your perspective, one of how badly people need help. And not just in the United States. Yes, we are United. We're, we are American citizens, but we're also the keepers of the world. Sure. You know, we're not called just to American citizens. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. And uh, just how big the need is, and how little the things that we have and possess matter at yeah. the end of the day. So, Isaac, here in Central Illinois, where we are <clears throat> in America, we're so privileged, mm-hmm. and so many people are in their bubble. Even here, you know, people are typically friends with people of their own race. Yeah, it's sad. They have very few friends that step across cultural lines. What would your challenge be to someone not, not okay, someone that doesn't get the opportunity to travel internationally, yep. be it financial or uh, maybe they're the only provider in their family and they, they can't travel. What would be your advice to finding people of different cultures, of different races here 
And how do you step across those boundaries? I mean, opening your eyes. There, People of different cultures and races and languages and uh, beliefs are all around you all the time. At the grocery store, at the gas station. Yep. Maybe go downtown once in a while. If you play basketball, go play basketball, soccer. What do you What do you do that you can get outside of your own little rut and and see people? Yeah. You know, really genuinely see people the way God sees them. Yeah. And um, I I I guess it's it's as simple as opening your eyes and getting outside of your bubble. Say hi to people. Yeah. You know, one thing that I've realized is that. People don't expect other people to be nice to them, but when you are, they light up Yes, and it's pretty much without fail. Yeah. And when you start doing that genuinely and you want to get to know people, things change, things Mm -hmm. change, you know, and you can start seeing beyond the color of one's skin because, um, it's not popular for a conservative person to say, but we are entitled here, especially white people. We are entitled and, um, we have it really easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, we didn't grow up with money, but. We still grew up with a lot of privilege, right? you know, so um, I would say go above and beyond to see people mm-hmm. and give until it hurts both of your time and money. I love if, that. If you give until it hurts, um, your world will really open up. I love that so much. I love, have you seen that new Heineken commercial that's out? I don't think so. It's, I don't know if it's actually out on TV or not, or if it's just online. It is brilliant. I was in tears watching it the other day. And what they, the premise of it is, is that um, if you sit and talk with someone face to face, you know, and they're, they're like, and have a beer, obviously, which that always helps too. But um, (laughs) that without having preconceived notions of who that person is, Mm -hmm. that, that bond that is built. So they put these two strangers in a room that are polar opposites. Wow. So, you know, you might have, um, just anything you can imagine that would be polar opposites. They bring in several different types of groups of people and then they, they have to build their chairs and then they sit up at the bar and then they start talking to one another and they have these cue cards that guide them through this. And then they show a video of each person answering questions and they become aware of their differences. And then they get to choose to either leave the room or stay and chat. And uh, of all of the ones that they showed in the video, they all chose to stay and chat because they had already formed this bond. They had already formed this companionship. And despite their differences, they were willing to overlook their differences because they had formed this bond with each other. Well, that's a great, it's a phenomenal commercial for one. And it's also a great principle. And the principle is, is you need to be defined by how you treat people. Yeah. And not how you say you treat people on yep. Twitter. Yeah, not yeah. by what your political affiliations say that you treat people. Yeah. Right. You need to be defined by how you treat people. How much you give to them. How much you love them. How much you listen to how them. How you listen, right. yeah. Not, you, don't, you can't be defined by what you believe mm-hmm. or who you voted for mm-hmm. or where, what you think tax policy should be mm-hmm. or where you go to church. Yeah. yeah. That That's is right. a huge one. That, that is, is the one that turns me off the quickest is being yeah. defined by where you go to church. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. You need to be defined by how much you love people. And that's what I think Jesus calls us to mm-hmm. do. Because if you look at his 12 disciples, and of course, it's a microcosm. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his 12 disciples, they were very different people. So from very different walks of life. Mm-hmm. Different races. Different. One was a tax collector, which was like the biggest, baddest, worst person there was. Right. You had a fisherman. Yeah. You had a carpenter. You had all these different people there's an example in that which is everyone's different Mm -hmm. treat them all the same and treat them all well yeah that's so good and as christ followers we immediately lose our witness or we lose our credibility when we when we say things are that are different than how we act or treat people yeah you know and i've just i've seen that this week in a couple of different situations that i've been a part of and 
you just, no one cares what comes out of your mouth um, about what you say you believe if you're treating them the exact opposite. Yeah. If your act isn't reflecting your talk. You just lost it. Yeah. 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 Well, actually on the tennis shoes I wore here today, um, hang on, I'm going to grab them. I'll be right back and I'll tell you the reference. Absolutely. The reference is James 2.24, and um, I, I won't quote it exactly, but it's... Wait, it's, it's on your tennis shoes? It's on my tennis shoes, yes. I have it. it you wrote it on there? I wrote it on my... It's uh, actually stitched in. He oh. had, I he, had them custom You had them custom made. Yeah, That's awesome. yeah. And it's basically that, you know, our faith is only justified by our, our, our work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people don't like to use the term works or, or whatever like that, but the reality is it's until you get out there and start physically and and you know, emotionally loving people, working towards people, mm-hmm. your faith isn't worth anything. Mm-hmm. Not, probably not even there. Yeah. So um, I think that's Jesus's example to us is exactly. get out there, work to love people. Yeah. And that's, that's where your faith is justified. Faith that works is dead. It is dead. Yeah. Well, and I love that Jesus saw both sides of that. So he, he knew we, we needed our faith to believe in him and believe that he was the only way to heaven. Okay. So there's that piece. But then the works part is what shows up here on earth. Mm -hmm. You know, the works part is what other people see and how our witness is is strong. So Jesus, like smart guy, you know, (laughs) God is amazing. Like he knew that we needed both in order to fulfill his ultimate plan, which was to spend eternity with him, but be his witness here on earth. Yeah. Yeah. They're symbiotic. You really can't have one without the other. No. It's so good. One thing I love about you, Isaac, is your vocabulary. Yeah. You yeah. use words that are bigger than most people have ever heard. Yeah, you in need their lives. A, sometimes you need a dictionary. What does symbiotic mean? <laughs> so Kip was at a technology conference last week, and one of his um, gifts that I don't know if one of his clients or somebody gave him is the Amazon technology, I think it's called The Dot. Is that correct? Where you say, like, Alexa, what is the weather going to be today? <laughs> and this little thing in the house <laughs> response hello the weather today is going to be partly sunny with a high chance of rain or whatever you have that now in your house it's the weirdest do you like it because i ever. so want one. Oh, pass oh. <laughs> no i don't like it no me neither because, no i do like the fact that she can play music for me all day long every day and i can just say alexa that's why i want it turn on a different type of music and she'll turn on a different type of music that's or whatever why i want it that's really cool but the thing that is so cool is one day a word popped up and i just the other day i said alexa tell me the ah, definition of yeah. and i said the word and she told me the definition and so i feel like this is going to be so fruitful for my relationship with you because when you're <laughs> speaking to me i can just ask alexa what, what you mean me. so, so does this mean that i don't need to teach my fourth grader how to use a dictionary Probably not. I I still think that's a good thing. But Alexa, oh my goodness! Here's a, here's something more important than a dictionary: is a thesaurus. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. when you're writing, um, people have a tendency to get into bad habits of using the same word too often. Mm-hmm. Very is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, extremely is another one. Yep. Uh, so if you use a thesaurus regularly and just and just add some different words to your vernacular, it helps a lot. So or double negative adverbs, which we just I just taught about last week. <laughs> I, I honestly had to like spend 20 minutes just figuring out what that actually meant. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm not terribly efficient with the proficient with the rules either. So well, I, I just struggle through it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for spell check. Oh, no grammar kidding. check. No kidding. I think I'm forgetting how to spell though because of it. Yeah. Because you don't have to even pay attention. You don't it's have to so remember true. the rules. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely forgetting. I used to be a decent speller and now I don't think I can spell anymore. Well, but let's just be honest. I can say this because I've, 
I've been through elementary now with both of my children again and taught, I'm teaching my daughter how to read, which I think like deserves a major high five. It does. Here. That's high five. High five. <laughs> yes. 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 So good. Man, that's hard. Cause literally every, there's all these rules and then every single rule can be broken. And it, they all have their own sets of rules. And it's, the it, rules. it just, there's no, it doesn't make sense at all. Mm. None of it. And so, you know, you're teaching a seven-year-old and you teach him the two vowel rule, but then two months later, that's completely broken by something else. And she's looking at me like, but this is what you told me, the two vowel rule. <laughs> or, or they're trying to spell Caesar and you're like, come on now. <laughs> or Taves, our last name. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so I, you just turned 30. Yeah. The big 3 Welcome to the 30 world. Man. It's so great. 30s are awesome, I feel like. But what's one thing that you would tell your 20-year-old self? Yeah, you know, in some ways I try not to think that way because I think there's probably I, – I try not to have the, you know, if I knew then what I know now yeah. type sure. of mindset because yeah. I probably saw some things with more clarity at 20 than I do 30. Yeah. And maybe I just thought I did and yeah. I didn't really. But I think there's sort of an innocence that you have when you're that age yeah. that you should that's always good. try and hang on to. Yeah. Um, but so maybe, that maybe answer. A tw- yeah, that's a great answer. Maybe a 20-year-old – Friend, <laughs> well, yeah, advice. I, I'd look back and tell myself to um, try and build relationships with people more. There were certain people I did, but be more intentional about instead of putting your nose down and working by yourself, try and collaborate with people more, mm-hmm. try and branch out, try and be more inclusive to build a great network of people that are around you. Look for a mentor mm-hmm. is one thing I would have done. I made a lot of mistakes that I wouldn't have had. I had a great mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I would have I would have said. And, um, I would have also told myself to not be so afraid of confrontation because hmm. there was a time in my life that I thought confrontation was bad. And now I know you can't grow without it. I'm raising my hand so, with yeah, you. Yeah. And <laughs> I, didn't, I don't think I learned that until I was like my mid thirties. Yeah. And I think I actually have a gift with it because I mm. can say things to people that I work with and other people that yeah. most can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hope it's because I love them Yeah, and that, they know in general, I'm a very forward person. So they're going, okay, he's a forward person. He's just saying that to me. But um, at 20, I thought that it was wrong to do that. Now I realize that there's major growth in yourself and in others that can happen through that. Yeah. All about your tone. Well, and it's, it's about the foundation that you've laid with people. Yeah. If you've laid a foundation of love and caring about them and they know that you want what's best for them. Yeah. They're going to listen. Sure. And, you know, you're going to learn from that through them as well. Yeah. And if you've loved him well, like you said, that foundation is, it's much easier to receive. I I feel like for me anyway, if someone's speaking into me Mm -hmm. who has put effort into loving me, as opposed to someone who I'm like, I have never felt loved by you in my life. Why are you giving me input? Yeah. That's kind of how I'm wired. Right. Well, you have to be wise about who you do take input from. Oh, yeah. Because you can get input, especially today. To, in today's day and age, you can get input from ev- everywhere. Yeah. And there is some that you just don't take, some right. counsel you don't take. Phenomenal point, Heather. And one of the things that this, it needs to be made very clear as well as, is don't let too many influences into your life. Yeah. And don't cast your pearls before swine. Yeah. Because there's so many people that want to tell you uh, how to live or what to do or what to say or what not to say. Right. You have to be intentional about seeking people out. And you have to be intentional about keeping others out. Yeah. Um, and I think that is something that I wish I'd learned earlier, mm-hmm. but you know, take that to heart because there are good influences and there are bad influences right. and you well, have to seek out the good ones. I have to tell a quick story. Isaac, you just brought it to mind. I hope you don't mind. But, um, so just this last Sunday, we, I was in a conversation with a woman who I did not know. She was a stranger to me and we were in a public setting. You were there. Um, you were engaged in a conversation in the other part of the room, but this woman began to speak 
much negativity and a lot of really dark things. And I got this sense like, okay, I need some backup. Mm. And so I called you over and you came over and you stood right there by me. And I introduced you as, um, you know, this is my brother. And um, you, this woman said to you, and I'll never forget your response. She said, do you have ears to hear? And you said, I do, but not to you. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so profound because you're a really gracious person. You're a kind person. You see people, but you understood that that was a negative voice that you weren't going to allow to speak that negativity. You weren't, yes, I have ears to hear, not for you. And I loved that. I loved as your sister, but as your friend, as a a co-leader, we're leaders together in some settings. And I thought that was really wise of you. And that's something that I'm going to use as an example with my children. Mm-hmm. That, yes, we, we hear people. Sometimes we have to shut down mm-hmm. their negativity and their influence over us because they don't get to speak that negativity over us. This goes back to where we started, though. Mm-hmm. goes back to your inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. And there are times when I have to say the exact same thing to myself. Yep. Yep. I am not listening to you. That's right. We have two voices in our head, and one of them is meant to be listened to, and the other isn't. That's yep. right. And multiple times a day, I have to say... I'm not listening to you. That's right. You know, so when I look at someone like that, that um, shouldn't be listened to, it's as simple as looking at myself and saying, I'm going to listen and it's not going to be to you. So the more you can filter out those voices, the more you can listen to the ones that are good and true and productive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as your sister, I'm your big sister, but thanks for getting my back that day. Oh, yeah. Defending me. Oh, yeah. I'll drag her out any day of the week. I was like, ha, shut down. Yeah. Watch my brother defend me. Yeah. So we have to brag on your wife a little bit because she is just, just a couple hours ago, finished a half marathon. Yeah. It's uh, something, it's one of those things I can't fathom doing myself, like physically can't (laughs) fathom doing. I would die. I would die. I'm, I'm going to yeah. go try and run 1.31 miles today to do one-tenth of what she did. So phenomenal job by her. Oh, I'm so goodness. proud of her. So impressive. She did it with some girlfriends, right? Yeah. There's five of them down there running, and they all ran at different paces, which I think is really kind of beautiful that they they went together, but they all knew they were going to try and achieve different yeah. things. So it's her first half marathon, and um, it's, uh, you know, she's only 5'3", five, 5'4", short little legs to run that far it's an incredible testament to her endurance and strength and athletic ability it's great i actually said to mom this morning that i think i might rather birth a baby than run a half marathon oh my lands not me (laughs) i'm not even physically capable of doing either so i don't know what to tell you (laughs) i was just like that sounds like i just feel like i would die i would die oh my god no i know she trained and that's you know that's that's awesome but i'm so, so we're so proud of you blake good yes, job we are blake so we call her blakers blakers yeah and our kids call her blakers and my son just had a pip an epiphany the other <laughs> night a few months ago yeah we were actually watching the voice and he goes huh that man's name is blake it's kind of a lot like blakers <laughs> and i said yeah do you know that blake's blaker's name is actually blake and he looked at me and he said are you being serious? <laughs> I said, yeah. He goes, why is there a boy named Blake then? Yeah. yeah. And I loved it. Blake was like, finally, someone that associates my name with a female instead yeah. of the male. Aww. Well, yeah, th- this is actually a source of much angst in my house because, uh, you know, he's always called her Blakers and she loves that. And then recently he started calling her Blake. He realized her name was yeah. Blake. Oh, and she's and sad he, about Yeah, it. she is. And you have to know Crosley, he's extremely formal for a five-year-old. He calls me... <laughs> Isaac. He pronounces my name better than I can. And it sounds weird, but it's a hard name to pronounce. But I always hear him say it and I think, he pronounces it perfectly. 
And so recently when he started calling her Blake, I could just see it all over her face like, no, no, it's starting, it's starting. But he just says it so purely and perfectly, Blake. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of hard. Well, and some of your other nieces and nephews have a nickname for you that you actually coined. Can you tell that story? That's so fun. Yeah, um, it actually started with Bennett, um, who is 10. And, um, the first grandbaby. The first, family. yep, the first grandbaby. And around the time when he was born, one of my favorite movies came out. It's a, by Cormac McCarthy called uh, No Country for Old Men. And there's a scene in it where this big bad villain guy is talking to this sweet old man who's a gas station attendant. And um, he calls him friend. The gas station attendant calls the villain, the super villain friend. And mm. uh, the villain at the end kind of sardonically comes back and says, a friendo, you know. Hmm. okay friendo like huh. very very sarcastic and um you know so i started calling benny friendo and it became a mutual thing yeah. reciprocated by yeah. benny so um, we call each other friendo and it kind of stuck for both of us and then eventually for most of the rest of the grandkids as well so i yeah. am friendo and some of them are friendo occasionally benny is always friendo yeah um, but yeah it's I'm, actually, I'm kind of the nickname guy, I guess. You are. I've actually had people on social media before, when I've tagged you or mentioned you, ask me who Frendo is. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you love to know? Yeah. But I think it's, you know, to me, a friend is the most all-encompassing um, sort of uh, name that you could give someone, whether it's a sibling or a friend or a, a, yeah. an acquaintance or yeah. someone of a different religion or culture. Yeah. You know, if, if you can call them friend and just say, hi, friend, mm-hmm. to me, you can't take any angst from it. You can't take mm-hmm. any affront from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had people say, I am not your friend. Hmm. And I just believe them at that okay. point. Okay. <laughs> you know, most people smile and think, oh, you know, he wants oh, to be friends. Yeah. So I think it's a good uh, sort of general way to approach people. And I love that Jesus called himself a friend yeah. Yeah. to us, a friend yeah. to sinners. What a yeah. what a cool thing for, for God to call himself yeah. as a friend. And that's one of my favorite uh, names for, for Jesus as friend. Yeah. You know, so. So speaking of your wife, what is your ideal date night with her? Uh, well, we would be suntanned, first of all, so probably <laughs> yeah. somewhere on the beach. Um, but, uh, we, we love to, right yeah, yeah. We love to eat. She loves to eat. Let me put that another way. <laughs> so I like to take her to a nice restaurant where she hasn't been before and watch her pour over the menu and eventually just tell the waiter we're ready. Otherwise we will sit there all night before she chooses. <laughs> she might cry because she's so excited about the possibilities. So excited and then so flustered that she chose the wrong thing and then so excited once the food comes out again. <laughs> oh, I love her. So she's 82 pounds of food angst. Yeah. Um, yep. But uh, so probably start there. Um, it would definitely involve ice cream. There's no question. There's less of that these days, but ice cream for sure. Yes. Um, Have you heard then- about this new Halo Top? Halo top. Yes, it's this ice cream that is only like 230 calories for a pint. Uh, no, and it's good. Mm, it's good. Mm, so I feel ha- like I'm going to need proof. No, so Halo Top, if you want to be yeah. a sponsor, come on. I just, yeah. I just promote you. No if you can convince me to not eat real ice cream, then okay, I'm going to buy some, and the next time you're over, we're going to try it. Okay, okay. I'm going to have a night tonight. We're I'm putting it. my skeptical face on, and I'm going to tell you it's bad. Well, <laughs> a normal pint of ice cream is like a thousand calories. Yeah. So if you that's can why eat, it's good. you know, two scoops of something that's way less, that's awesome. Yeah, that is good. That is good. So we'd we'd probably get ice cream, and then um, we're simple people. We love movies. We love TV shows. So. Um, we'd probably get or go to a movie. That'd be my my ideal day. Nothing complicated at all. One thing I love about you is that you guys. So you guys don't have children yet, correct? But you guys are so intentional about pouring into 
our children. So Heather has two, I have three. And you and Blankers, hands down, are some of their very favorite people on the entire planet. Like if the, if they know you're coming over or if we're going to church and they know you're, they're going to see you, their day is made. Mm. Their world is made. Um, and I just like publicly would love to thank you for the love that you show our kids. It's not like through, you know, hey, let us spoil you to death. It's through your genuine love for them. Mm-hmm. And they just adore you. And I adore you for loving on my kids. It's uh, so cool. Well, I have to thank you too for, and Nathaniel and Brooke for giving us a yeah. bunch of awesome nieces and nephews. And I, it's, I mean, there, there was a question on here. I'm not sure if we'll get to it about passions, but man, I love my nieces and nephews more than anything on earth. I really do. And um, each and every one of them, I think we have a special, a special bond that's different for each one. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's very, very uh, close to our heart is just the bond that we have with each of them and the inside jokes that we have with all of them. And um, I think in every child that you're really close to, you see a, a piece of yourself. And I'm sure as a parent, I can't speak to it, but I'm sure as a parent, you you look at it and you're probably overwhelmed by both the positives and the negatives oh, that you yes. see in kids Absolutely. going, no, don't be that. Every don't be day. that. Yeah. Every yeah. single day. <laughs> but even in nieces and nephews, you know, I see it. You yeah. mentioned it about the Cubs earlier and, and it, with Bubby Wilder specifically, like I just look at things in him and I can see my own sort of uh, personality and spirit in him and the way he approaches people and the way he, you know, sort of has a half smile all the time and, yeah. mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And obviously Bennett, you know, and, and um, all of them, really all of them. So it's just, it's our life's greatest joy to be their aunt and uncle for sure. That's so cool. Well, just before this podcast, Bennett had a rainy, very cold baseball game. And as he was up to bat, the the encouragement that we were giving him was straight from you. Because <laughs> you took time to help him with his swing. And mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's so cool to me to see how God has allowed us. And I don't take this for granted because I know that not everyone has this, but how God has allowed our hearts to continue as adults to be knit together mm-hmm. and our, our lives to be intertwined. And I'm so thankful that that's carrying on into the next generation of our children too. Yeah. And it's not all peaches and cream. I mean, no. we, uh, we get in each other's faces on a regular yeah. basis yeah. and, um, you know, I, we say the hard things we do, we do. And even yeah. with, you know, nieces and nephews, we're not afraid to also discipline them and make sure that they're doing the right things, but they're such great kids. It makes it easy. So. But it also goes back to the love you've already shown them. Yeah. Like I am a hundred percent cool with you helping discipline my kids because you love them well, you know? Um, so thank you for letting them be part of your passion. It's so influential in their lives. It's huge, but it's my honor. Another one of your passions, Isaac, that you mentioned a little bit ago is songwriting. Yes. Yeah. So I want to know when can we expect to hear some of your songs? Well, um, I've probably written three dozen songs, lyrics to songs in my life. Um, I've also reached out to several different, uh, musical composers to try and, um, you know, marry those, lyrics to some music and I've been shot down every time. Okay. And this is maybe one of those things where you say, you know, you might fail. And, um, I've been writing songs for 15 years and I'm about over 10 with getting people to collaborate with me. Okay. Um, I am looking for someone to put music to my writing and, mm-hmm. um, there's a portion of me that thinks that if I was made to do anything, it was to write songs. Mm-hmm. And that sounds very funny from somebody that doesn't have a song with music mm-hmm. to it. You know, and recently someone told me, and it was a perfectly good advice, but someone said, hey, have you considered just letting it be a poem? And uh, Hmm. I immediately shut it down. I'm not a poem writer. I'm a songwriter um, that has yet to have a song written. Hmm. So 
if anybody's out there that would like to collaborate on that type of thing, I have a fairly eclectic dark music sense, so it's mm-hmm. not going to be... We share that. Wor- yeah, we it's like not going to be music. worship <laughs> music or anything like that. It's not going to be Dave Matthews. It's going to be more like, you know, a band like Death Cab for Cutie or the XX, but mm-hmm. definitely looking for collaboration. And someday I really believe that that will be uh, what I do mm-hmm. is, is right. Tell us about a song that you have written recently. What's one of your most recent projects? The last project that I did was um, actually a song in tribute to uh, Brayden Ely, mm-hmm. who uh, passed away about a month ago now. It's Jenna Ely, our sister-in-law's brother. Yeah. Um, so I wrote a song just about his death, mm-hmm. uh, but more about his death. It was about um, his life and what life his death would bring. Yeah. And um, I didn't think I'd be able to write it, mm-hmm. and it was... Uh, I thought it would be very, very tough to write. And then all of a sudden I was on a plane and I sat down and I, I was struck with inspiration by a different song I was listening to, um, a song by Codaline. And uh, I wrote it in 20 minutes. Wow. And it just hit me and I felt like it was exactly what I was supposed to write. And wow. um, so, yeah, I sobbed the whole time that I wrote it mm-hmm. uh, on this plane. I'm sure there was people next to me like, what <laughs> on earth is this guy doing, you know? Yeah. But um, it was very, very touching, and um, that was the last thing that I wrote. Well, just to encourage you, I just last night heard a story about a a very well-known songwriter. He's written both, I think, both secular and Christian um, for both genres of music. But um, he originally got hired on with a company in Nashville. Mm. They hired him on because they saw that he had raw talent. Mm -hmm. They said, you're not, you're that you're not there yet, but they said, start writing music. He wrote for them for two years before they ever even picked up one of his songs to use it. So you can imagine if you're doing that full time as your job, you're writing a lot of music, you're writing a lot of songs and, you know, to continually be getting shut down. No, 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 no. But this is your job. So you have to do it, you know, and now he's, he's a very successful, very well-known writer. So keep doing it. It'll happen. I'm sure it will. You've got that passion for a reason. It's really exciting. The endurance and the work ethic. Yeah. And it's, you know, I heard something a while back that was really interesting to me, and it was that you'd never ha- hand somebody your finished product, you hand them your struggle. Yeah. And I've got a whole bunch of struggle written out on paper, sitting on a file that somebody's going to want to take and refine, and it's, yeah. it'll take the right person. But um, it's actually one of those things in life that uh, I've been able to be extremely patient with and haven't had felt forced with at all, That's good. Um, which is very unusual for me. I'm very impatient. Well, and you're also so humble about it, because up until somewhat recently in the you know the last few years there were very few people in the world that even knew you wrote songs oh, it's easy to be humble when you haven't had any success yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you know when, oh have we heard your song on the radio uh no. yeah no no i don't even have you know i don't even have music or yeah, compose music someday, to yeah. it so someday yeah we'll yeah. see yeah someday oh. yep well thank you so much for coming on for all of your wisdom and being willing to share your stories and just have a chat with us. I love that we can talk about ordinary things. And, you know, we say this all the time on this show, but um, ordinary is really extraordinary, Mm -hmm. especially when you start to view it that way. I think we can look at ordinary and think, okay, we're just stuck. We're just stuck in our ordinary lives and our ordinary routines. But when you start to see, we talked about this perspective, when you start to see the ordinary things in your life as what God has placed right in front of you and as opportunities, they become extraordinary. Mm -hmm. One of our previous guests a while back, Heather, said 
her mom's advice to her was you're never stuck. You're always positioned. Yeah. Mm, that's good. That's good. When we're positioned to see yeah. life through the lens that God's given us. Right. Like nothing can stand in the way. Yeah. And I think the takeaway is that um, do it a little bit better. Yeah. Do your ordinary a little bit better and yeah. apply more discipline to yeah. your life. Because I guarantee you. Everyone, and with a better attitude. With a better attitude. Yeah. I, everybody listening to this could, myself included, 100% myself included, I'm the guiltiest of all, could apply more discipline to areas of their life. Yes. And when you start giving that 1% more discipline, it becomes easier and easier and easier. And um, ultimately, you start to reap some some benefit from that. Yes. So good. Well, thank you for being on. Thanks so much for having me. It was a ton of fun. I love you. Love you too. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We are so glad that you did. If you would do us a huge favor and hop on over to iTunes and hit subscribe, that's the super easy part, Heidi. Yep. Um, the little bit more challenging part is figuring out how to leave a comment and some feedback. But right. we love it. We love it when they do that. So if they could do that. And then we're just going to be bold and ask you, share this on your social medias. Share it with your friends. Send them a link and say, hey, check out this podcast because we think you'd really love it. Maybe go on iTunes and find the one that you think would relate best to your friend um, and send them the link and uh, it is because of you sharing it that we are able to get out to more people and and make a, a bigger impact so thank you for listening and we will talk to you next time